two guys in their 20s giving the perspective on the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and the media mind at all. I'm your host, Wendy Burns, love my kind of bar, Stavon Morris. How's it going, man? How was your Thanksgiving? It was good, man. Got to eat a lot of good food. Made my Sir. first turkey. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Give us the update. How was it? It was w- good. What was the reception? <laughs> Five stars? My, no, they thought my dad made it, so that's pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that little, little kudos there, little brownie points there. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Uh, well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this episode. There's obviously some some NFL topics, college football. We're getting into the conference championship season. Um, so, and, and some NBA ones, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of the last black man in San Francisco. But to start off with the Eagles' home win against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers um, getting hurt in the second half, um, Philadelphia won 40-33, to 33, and Jalen Hurts ran for 157 yards, set a record for the Eagles, and also threw for 153 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the biggest news of this, obviously, in the second half was, was you know, Roger, uh, Rodgers injuring his, his, his ribs later in the game and Jordan Love filling in. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on Philadelphia, you know, Having another an, another impressive home win, um, you know, it was close to certain certain points, but also just thoughts on the, the type of season, MVP caliber season uh, Jalen Hurts is having. You know, they're they're finding ways to give give uh, Jalen Hurts the opportunity to make plays, whether it's creating running plays, giving him the 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 lane to run, or calling design run plays. They're giving him the the avenue to lead this football team. I think yeah. this is the first time in a long time since, well, the one year he did he play with Oklahoma that he had full control of the offense. When he was with Alabama, he didn't have full control of the offense or that football team. Now they're trusting him more and more. This is, you know, second year in. They're 10 and 1 when you trust a guy. He's finding ways to to, to get his team into uh the position to win. He looked good, man, especially that long run, bro. Uh, it was hard to watch. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you, it was hard to watch. But what a quarterback he's turning into. You know, we for the you know a couple seasons has all been about Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. You know, uh, you know Allen, Jonathan Allen, all these guys. But Jalen Hurts has not been in that conversation. Well, right. you should definitely put him in that Add conversation in now. So yeah. yeah, he looked good, man. Their their the offense looked good. Defense, obviously, you, you give up thirty three points, you're not going to look as good. But their offense looked. Like they're ready for the postseason, and Jalen Hurts looked like he's ready to to lead his team to a possible Super Bowl run. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like when you look at the MVP category, like he's obviously having a spectacular season. Patrick Mahomes is having another great one. Like, mm-hmm. like who do you who would you put in that MVP category, or maybe like the the top candidate um, to to lead the MVP race right now? Right now, I have to say Patrick Mahomes. Just oh, yeah. given, just given of what his wide receiver core looks like. And them still having struggles with that wide receiving core, and he's still putting up big numbers and find a way to get them open, throwing his receivers open, which is a veteran move. He, veteran, veteran move, and he hasn't been in the league over six years. So that's just a testament to what he can do as a quarterback when he doesn't have the certain weapons. You look at Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> when he doesn't have the weapons he has, it's kind of hard to throw people open or do certain things. So just, I think Patrick Mahomes is definitely front front runner. He's yeah. still having a phenomenal season, you know, stat-wise. But, you know, the record, they'll, they'll get there. I think they're still in the, the running to to go to, you know, have a Super Bowl run. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, hands down, is the front runner for the MVP. Jalen Hurts is making some noise. I don't think he's he's there just yet. He's not. So, uh, after he he, he yeah. hasn't, like, as, like, asserted himself in that, in, in that position yet. I feel like it's still Mahomes to lose. For sure. He's still, he's winning football games, but he's not an yeah. MVP, he's not MVP con- a contender right now. And I don't yeah. think that should be on his, his mind. I don't think it is, to be honest with you, you know? Right. I mean, his team's 10 and one. I mean, just yeah, get the one, one yeah. seed. <laughs> yeah. You can um, have that other stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but also like looking at from Green Bay's perspective and with the injury Rodgers had, like, do you feel as though it's yeah. one of those points in the season where it might be just maybe time to, to let Jordan love finish out the season or do you think it's one of those things where Rodgers obviously he wants to be competitive he's a competitor he doesn't want to give up anything but but how do you kind of feel about how they'll handle that situation with Rodgers going forward how much money they pay him they need to let him finish out the season yep. that's your investment you you're willing to to sign him back and get that money you, it's it's evident that you didn't have full confidence in Jordan Love that's why you signed Aaron Rodgers back and hopes to keep mm-hmm. Devontae Adams as well but you got to let your investment play out off season. Look into what you're going to do with Aaron Rodgers. Are you going to truly commit to Jordan Love? 
there has to be something, there has to be a clear sign of what direction they're going to go into this offseason. If not, then there are the offense of the whole team is going to be a shambles. We're already plagued with injuries. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers goes down with a rib injury. Jordan Love didn't, you know, look bad six for now, 113 yards, and I think a touchdown. Uh, Within that, one of the touchdowns was like a 60-yard run, 70-yard run, but I'm still not impressed with Jordan Love. So I think after this season, obviously Aaron Rodgers, has, if he comes back, he has to complete the season because all the money he, we paid him, but also have to have the clear direction of where you want to go. Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers or are you going to have full confidence in Jordan Love? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and now getting into kind of thoughts on the Chiefs convincing win against the Rams. Um, and LA's struggles this year. Uh, the Kansas City won 26 to 10 at home, and Mahomes threw for 320 yards and a touchdown. But there were also mistakes made by them, um, you know, including an interception by Mahomes in the fourth quarter. And on the other side for the Rams, playing without Matthew Stafford, they really struggled to move the chains behind Perkins. But, but what were your thoughts on another win for Kansas City? I mean, w- we mentioned the type of MVP type of MVP season Mahomes is having. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you kind of feel about how this team is looking? And also on the other side with the Rams, I mean, they're it's it's been countless injuries, just a completely different looking team compared to what they did last season. You know what what I love about the Kansas City Chiefs, first and foremost, they this season obviously you have to mix it around. I think previous season when they had Tyreek and a bunch of other guys that were you know role players in the wide receiving core, they you know they got the ball, but we knew Tyreek Hill and Tra- Travis Kelsey was going to be you know, the bulk of the offense. And then yeah. now the running game is not working. They're, they, they're having to mix it around. I think, yeah, like eight or nine people had over three receptions. <laughs> so <laughs> they're mixing it up. They're finding different ways to get people open and people are stepping up. And I, that's why I love, you know, they don't have the same offense they had a year ago, mm-hmm. but they're still finding a way to win. Nine and two Patrick Mahomes is worth all that money they gave him. But the offense looks good because of Patrick Mahomes. The running game is not there. It's not helping Patrick Mahomes at all. So the, the play calling and then him extending plays and being in sync with these wide receivers is the best weapon he has this year. Even Travis Kelsey sometimes is is shaky in most quarters, but then he'll make up on it um, in the fourth quarter or the end of the third in the third quarter. But hats off to Patrick Mahomes. And then the Rams, we we talked about it several times. Well, it's in these guys do not look like last year, obviously, because we, saw, we uh, could tell from the first game, the first game against yeah. Buffalo, like this was not going to be the same type of season. It was a I don't want to say it was a string of luck. I think they had the right pieces on both sides of the ball. Matthew Stafford didn't have to do as much. Everything played out for them perfectly. Everything just was lined up for them. And Cooper Cup was Cooper Cup in. You know what I'm talking about? Averaging like 130. (laughs) Trademark phrase from full scope. (laughs) Yo, man, I'm telling you. And he's not Cooper Cupping like he did last year. 180 yards here, 160 yards here, just killing. Now everybody is in sync. Okay, Mm -hmm. Cooper Cup is a guy. They don't have a number two guy in my eyes. They don't. If I look at their rap, Van Jefferson, I love him. Florida guy, he's not he's not a guy to to get you, you know, get you those those yardage. And I don't think Cooper Cup even played against the Chiefs. So yeah, man, and Cam Akers is not running. And it's just it's just a lot of things are not happening on the offensive side. Defense, I think, is still strong. But after at the end of the day, they're gonna get worn out. And that's what they do have been the past eleven games. They've been getting worn out. Right. So if they're if their offense don't turn around, I don't think they will this year. They have a lot of things to look at in offseason. Do they re-sign Cam Akers? Do they do they shop around to get a, another backup quarterback for Matthew Stafford? There's a, a lot of uh or do they do they go and get a wide receiver in a draft? A couple wide receivers that are available in the draft are that look good, I think, to Sean McVay. Do they get a veteran guy? Do they go back and get OBJ next season? Because he has a, a tie a year to sit out and get healthy. So there, there's a lot. And, right. and they do really well with their their offseason uh moving around the depth chart, getting yeah, guys in and out. And I think that's what there was a testament to how good they were last year because they got great guys in the and then you know they won a Super Bowl. But if they don't, they're not going to get it right this year. In the offseason, they're going to have to move some pieces around to get the right guys back into the ballgame or in, into the uh, organization. 
Yeah, definitely. And another thing, looking at, at yesterday, the, the Jacksonville, they had an upset win against Baltimore, and, and yeah. Cincinnati was able able to, to, to win against Tennessee, and now they're first place in the AFC North. Like, among the teams that you're seeing, I mean, it, it pro- probably between, you know, obviously Cincinnati and Baltimore, like, which team do you kind of trust the most in the AFC North to, to possibly, you know, finish the season out strong and, and get to the postseason? Hmm. That's interesting. None of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm joking. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they're all out. <laughs> no, nah, nah, Baltimore. Yeah, obviously Baltimore. I think Baltimore is the AFC North. Uh, yeah. They're in the AFC North. Baltimore yeah, AFC North. Yeah, Cincinnati's, yeah, okay, yeah. Cincinnati's first and Baltimore second right now. Yeah, I, I think ba- I, I have more trust in Baltimore. Um, it's just that for what I've seen this year from Cincinnati, once again, it's it's extremely difficult to have prior success that you had the year, you know, year prior and, and repeat that success. They have looked so shaky. So, 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 so shaky. Man, I, yeah, I, I, I have to go with the Baltimore Ravens just because of, I, I have faith in Lamar Jackson. I still think they need to pay him. And I think they're more equipped on the the offensive and defensive side more than Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, they're number two right now, but I think that was yeah. It's just it's five games they let slip through their fingertips, and they don't know how to close games sometimes. But I'm looking. It's game eleven where you have six, seven more. Well, six more games. You, they play yeah, six more games. They got to get that corrected. But I still have faith in the Baltimore Ravens for sure. Lamar Jackson, he got to get them a Super Bowl. Has, has to, to get them. Has to. Yeah. I think it's coming sooner than later. Sooner than because he's he's he Hopefully. has the potential. Yeah, he definitely has, has the potential to, to lead them on a run. Um, and now getting into kind of thoughts on who had the most impressive um, Thanksgiving win um, among the Bills, Cowboys, and Vikings. Um, the Bills obviously won won a tight game against Detroit, twenty to twenty six. The Cowboys pulled away against the Giants at home, twenty to twenty. And then the Vikings for the for the last game won uh, thirty three to twenty six against New England. But what were your thoughts on, you know, these outcomes and kind of like to you who had the most impressive win among the three? Got to be the New York Giants. I mean, I mean, sorry, Cowboys and yeah, the New yeah, York Giants. Yeah. yeah. What a win, man. Division rival. Yeah. You needed to win this game to stay alive. New York Giants have looked really decently good mm-hmm. this season. The quarterback situation is still uh, – I'm going to – how do you draft a guy from Duke one year? He had one good year, and you draft him to be your starting quarterback. I don't understand it. I'm still not a Daniel Jones fan. Put it up 100 yards a game, passing yards a game. It's not It's not what you need. It. You're going to kill Saquon Barkley because Saquon is in every play. <laughs> I know he's been out a couple of seasons, but dog, bro. I thought Christian McCaffrey had it at uh, the Panthers. Saquon Barkley it's got every like play. That. <laughs> Bro, it's insane. But what a win for uh, New York Giants. You Looking at Dak Prescott, you know, I still think he's he's a caliber. He's a top top caliber quarterback. And it's hard for me to, to sit here and say he doesn't get rocky in, 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 in situations, but they figured out, they found out a way to win. And I think it was, it was, it was definitely Dak Prescott, him extending plays and all these black quarterbacks, we keep saying extending plays, extending plays, <laughs> but he, him extending plays, the play column was really well this game. Uh, yeah. The defense stepped up Parsons. Oh my gosh. Goodness. Oh, oh. Beast. what, when you need a defense win championships, defense stepped up at the right time with my, the Michael Parsons uh, sack. And then the, the the offense put the cherry on top. The running game was working um, that game. But, yeah, Dallas Cowboys winning on Thanksgiving when they needed the most to stay alive. Yeah, definitely more impressive. Because, I mean, the Giants have looked decently, once again, decently good. Mm. But, yeah, I think, yeah, the Cowboys. Cowboys still alive, man. With uh, Michael, Michael Irvin, he, he went off on this game, bro. <laughs> this whole commentary was crazy, bro. Yo, Michael Irvin, man. Like, t- talk about somebody who's not going to hold anything back in any commentary. <laughs> no, not at all. Horse, horse throat and all. <laughs> bro, chill, bro. Just chill, chill out bro. a little. You got you, you got to you got to talk to Stephen A. Monday morning as well. You got to do Sunday countdown. You got to do all these different things. And you got Stephen A. Monday morning, bro. You got to right, chill bro. out a little. <laughs> we got some tea in the back for you. 
for your scratchy throat because you go <laughs> bro, talking like so a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> wake bishop up, <laughs> wake up, wake up. <laughs> Um, but 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 not getting into Michigan's uh, dominant performance against Ohio State. Michigan won on the road, forty-five to twenty-three. This is their their consecutive win against them. JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards both had career performances. Um, but what were your thoughts mm-hmm. on the on the physical nature of Michigan's win? And you know, this is the type of uh, of game you have to to be able uh, to be up for. They were the the passing w- was was so effective and really ended the game in emphatic fashion and and left no doubt about who was who was the superior team. Yo, bro, snapped the not well, I think it was eight game losing streak. Michigan has not had an answer for Ohio State. The one guy I thought that was going to have a crazy game was Corum, but he didn't have it. Another guy did. 219 yards on 22 attempts. Man, what I didn't expect for this game to go like that. 45 to 23 against Ohio State when uh Marvin 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 Harrison Jr. was is was he was going off this game. He had a killer game. Yeah, he did. But I just thought Ohio State had a little more. Michigan State played perfect football. No, no big penalties. Uh was disciplined. They made the plays. Running game was working. When the running game is working for you, That's, you can call it opens anything. up so many things. Opens up so yes. Many. And and when your wide receivers is catching everything, it's they play perfect football. They want it. They wanted to wanted it more first and foremost. And then they are in the they're in the position in the playoffs to win a national championship that they have not won in years. Yeah, they got a shot. They they they, they, they do. Yeah, have a, have a I didn't know they had two beasts back there. I didn't know Coral was was definitely a beast. I didn't know Edwards. I think his name was uh yeah, his name is uh yeah, Edwards. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was that of a dog. Cause you all you see is Corum. Yeah, if you got two of them, that's that's dangerous. Man. And your wide receiver core is catching everything, coming to him. Offensive line look, oh my offensive line looks so good. Opening holes up, protecting. He's the, and then the poise in the, in the pocket, like everything was just working for Michigan. It was just Michigan's time. The offensive and line. Ohio the, State. Ohio State has the eleventh ranked passing defense, and yes. that and, and I feel like it's one of the thing, those things where they were ex- expecting the running game to kind of be the most dominant thing, but the passing was even even uh, uh, equal, if not more, than what the running was. And I feel like that's something Ohio State's defense wasn't prepared for as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think with Ohio State breakdown, it was the offensive line didn't play really well. The defense definitely didn't play well. They don't have that standout defensive end like they usually, you know, Chase Young, Bosa, right. uh, Hutchinson. Uh, no, Hutchinson came from Michigan. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. <laughs> but they don't have that standout guy. They don't have the, the front seven that they use, they're used to having to create chaos when playing Michigan or any other team. So Michigan played perfect football. McCarthy played a heck of a game. His his pocket presence was brilliant. He was accurate. Like it was is a lot of things that went well for uh the Michigan Wolverines. And they snapped the biggest thing, they snapped the eight-game losing streak against Ohio State, their rival. Yeah. Yeah. Good game, man. Yeah, awesome game. And, and now getting into if, if Clemson or LSU kind of had, had the more um, had the more surprising loss. Uh, Clemson lost at home, thirty-one to thirty, and this was South Carolina's second straight top ten win. And Texas A&M's upset win versus LSU, thirty-eight to twenty-three, essentially kind of ended LSU's um, college football playoff hopes before the SEC championship. But obviously, like like between these two losses, like both teams had chances to kind of like still be in the in the hunt for for the CFP. LSU obviously like right the week before Georgia they needed to, to, to build up more momentum but they kind of had a flat performance like between the two which one kind of surprised you more both mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hold you but both first of all Texas A&M has looked so sloppy this season to be able to to beat LSU when LSU is finally figured out their offense and their defense is playing highlight football yeah. And Tim to beat them 38 to 23, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, surprise part of like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who's winning? Who who won? <laughs> Texas AM. And they always beat teams. And like the <sighs> but no, LSU really surprised me losing to Texas AM. They just didn't, they just, I think 
they really got complacent. I think they thought they, they were did. just going to beat Texas A and M. It was the mentality. It almost looked yeah. as though they were just getting ready for that C championship. Like, hey, we'll, we'll we'll coast by and just have a shot at to to, to see what happens against Georgia. You can't obviously any week no. anything can happen. No, and then the the offense was the the biggest. I think for me, the offense has been their strength, and then the defense have aided in in, in high moments. And this game, Daniels went one twenty one for thirty five hundred eighty nine yards. The running game wasn't there. Uh, Daniels had majority of the running rushing yards, and the wide receivers. They're big time. They have two big time wide receivers non existent. So it's just right. the offense had lack of you know push, no progression. The offensive line looked sluggish, like they were just ready for Georgia. Their whole mindset was for Georgia, and that's that's hard to do, especially when you're playing in the SEC. At any time, anybody could beat. You see South Carolina beat Tennessee, and then they beat Clemson. So it's any time. What a season he's had. Yes, what a man. season he had, man. He he finished talking about finish strong, but that this will surprise me. And then. I wasn't as surprised with South Carolina because they're on that high. They still have yes, momentum of momentum. beating Tennessee. Yeah. And then coming to this game, and we, we talked about this several times, when Clemson starts really, really slow. They start really, really slow. But this game, they were 14 up. And then I was like, okay, this when Clemson, this is reverse. Clemson starts slow, and then they kind of ease off in the Westcom. But now they started off fast, went up two touchdowns in the first quarter, and I think they had nine points in the second quarter, and then here comes South Carolina. Put them away. You started off really, really well, and then you didn't put them away. That was, I mean, it was a surprise. It was, I mean, it was still a good game, 31-30, but sheesh, put them away, especially if you're up, you know, 14 points in the first quarter and you got yeah. their ticket. Absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into USC's kind of chances at, at, at the college football playoff and, and also most intriguing conference championship, USC won 38 to 27 against Notre Dame at, at home and Caleb Williams kind of polishes Heisman credentials with 232 yards passing and four total touchdowns. Um, but what were your takeaways from this game and kind of um, USC really playing um, at a high level the right time of the season? Obviously, they have the, the Pac-12 championship game next week, but but how, how do you kind of feel about how Caleb Williams has been looking you know, been looking very impressive and them uh, finishing off the regular season strong. Yeah, no, I mean, started, I think I put USC in that category of they look impressive, but they still don't have it just yet, you right. know, but now finishing strong against a good Notre Dame team there. We always say about the strength of schedule, but I think them finishing strong, especially Williams, the running game was working. Um, I think they know how to mix it up and figure out their their strong points and get mixed matches, mismatches through the uh, throughout the defense. So mm-hmm. I, I'm still impressed. I'm still impressed, but do they have enough to win? Or you know, I, I think they're eventually probably edge out somebody to get into the playoffs. But do they have enough to win? And I don't think so. I think when once they meet teams like Georgia, uh, even Ohio, even uh, Michigan, teams like that, I don't think they have enough to 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 go toe to toe with those teams just based off the strength of schedule. I think Michigan had a, a tough schedule this season. Obviously Georgia has beat everybody in the SEC for the first time. <laughs> like bro, that is insane. <laughs> you beat every team in the SEC. Whoa. Man. Um but I just don't think they're they're ready to be in the playoffs. Well, they get into this is a high probability they'll they get into the will. playoffs. Yeah, because yeah, you know, somebody will get edged out, especially the SEC championship is coming up. Um, you know, so other also TCU. TCU is playing. TCU has a shot. They're third. They're playing Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Like between between TCU and, and USC, like which one do you have? Do you feel as though TCU would would, would win their game next week and USC possibly lose? Oh, for sure. I think USC has a possibility to lose. I think TCU is going to solidify themselves in the they're. They're like Washington. You know how Washington always right. gets to the playoffs, but yeah. then it just they figure out always oh, a different breed when it comes to SEC and <laughs> possibly ACC teams. I think it's going to say they're the They haven't really been good since Ladamian Tomlinson. That's like true. in my eyes, yeah. they haven't been like really, really good since him. So the, for them to be back at this point, I think it's it's a big win. But when they win, will they win at all? If they go against Georgia. Yes, yeah, no, no. That's always the team. That's always the standard because Georgia is still the favorite. <laughs> they <Please>. still are. <laughs> Whoever faces Georgia first, I'm sorry. oh my god! I'm gosh. so sorry. 
The, they're, yeah. they're repeating. Yeah. They, There's nobody definitely. beating Georgia. Definitely. Um, and, and, like, if in terms of the conference championship, like, even looking at, obviously, LSU had a loss, but the, does the LSU-Georgia one kind of, like, intrigue you the most in terms of, like, the, the top conference championship that, that might have, like, the most, like, exciting potential? I think so because they, they – I think LSU upset a lot of good teams that we thought they were going to lose to. And, obviously, Georgia is Georgia. I, <laughs> I always want to see Georgia play because how they're, they're playing lights-out football – both sides of the ball and special teams like they did last year. So they're repeating all the success that they had a year prior, which is extremely hard. So, and I'll continue to reiterate this. So people will understand how hard it is to repeat success. So tough. There's a formula. Sometimes that formula doesn't work. So you have to create another formula. They have this, their formula is working right now. Nobody is beating that formula. They know how to recruit. Their recruiting is amazing at Georgia. So, and then I think LSU still has that, has enough in their left in their tank to compete. I think yeah. with Texas A&M, they got complacent. They looked ahead and it was like, oh, we're going to beat the crap out of Texas A&M. But Texas A&M is still an SEC. They're still a decent team. Yes. So I think they still have enough in their tank. They'll to, get up. To They'll get up for this game. They'll definitely, yeah, They'll definitely they, they're going to have to. You got to. You got to. You got to. They're going to have to. <laughs> Um, and now interesting to the NBA and kind of thoughts on the Sacramento Kings success and them kind of being ahead of schedule. Um, they're currently a 10 and eight and six in the West that average 27.7 assists per game and led by DeMontis Sabonis averaging 6.2 plus of average 122.5 points last in games. And, you know, their main struggle has been against Western conference teams being four and five currently. Um, mm-hmm. but, but what has imp- impressed you so far about the development of Sacramento and, and how well they're currently performing? I like how they team. I like how they play team basketball. You know yeah. the fundamentals of team. And I think for those guys to be traded, uh, you know, right before the season, and be able to play like that. And I mean, obviously, they're they're third in the West. They're, they're, I think the West is way stronger than the East. If if I'm being frank, so I yeah. terms to be the top three in the West right now. I think what a win, what a win right now. But you have to figure out a way to edge, keep in the top three and edge and try to do the, go to the, the second mark. I think Phoenix, throughout the regular season, we're going to get, because Phoenix is one of the most fundamental fundamentalist teams sound, out yeah. there. So it's going to be hard to kind of, you know, edge them out. Especially, and take advantage of it now. When the Warriors pick their speed back up, you want to be in the top three. Because the Warriors are coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> you want to, but yeah. I... Man, you know, we talked about this a couple, ep- you know, episodes back. I'm still like, Darian Fox. Oh, wow. Wellington. Wellington, Wellington, Wellington. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I'm thinking we talk about the Utah Jazz. <laughs> wow. And I said these guys just got traded. I'm thinking about the Utah Jazz. You didn't pick up on that? But anyway, we're going to jump back into it because we're talking about Sacramento. Sacramento. Kings. Sacramento Kings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You folly guy. But no, now my mind is going back to the Kings. Now, me thinking about it, whatever, all I just said in the beginning, they need to continue to do, but they won't stay in the top three. I think eventually at a certain point, out. yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to eventually fade out. I was thinking with the Utah Jazz. I think Utah Jazz is going to come. Warriors is going to come. I think Denver is going to pick it back up and, and come for it. So they're in the top three now. I think they play with 18, 19 games. So it's still yeah, fairly, fairly young. Yeah. So, and I think at a certain point, Harrison Barnes is going to fade. De'Aaron Fox is not going to be able to uh, pick everything up by himself. He's been doing it for the past three years. Everybody who goes to the Sacramento has a heavy load. Has a really heavy load. Yeah. It drains, and I don't think their bench is strong enough to 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 hold that third spot. To be completely honest with you, so now that I, my mind is is fixed on the Sacramento Kings, <laughs> they won't stay there long. To be honest yeah. with you, because the West is so top heavy. I mean, like Denver, we obviously I still think Denver is possibly as one of the best um, yeah. chances to go far to go far this year, especially if if um Michael Porter Jr. can kind of take that that next that next step. Um, and obviously Jamal Murray and Jokic, they they've been playing really well. But but it's it's an extremely top top heavy uh, Western Conference. But now getting into to Shea Gilgis Alexander's elite level of play for OKC early in the season, um, you know even though the Thunder are, are not high in the West standings, SGA is currently averaging 
uh, 31 points, four points or rebounds and five assists. Um, the only players to finish the season accomplishing all of those stats are Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, and James Harden. Um, he's also scored 30 or more in four straight games. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on the development of SGA's game and, and kind of what he can do better to, to elevate OKC to more wins? <laughs> he's going to need more than himself. And I think yeah. the guy that got hurt, I think we were talking about the same. Yeah, the Chet, Chet Holmgren, I think. Chet Holmgren. Is a, yeah, for, for most yeah Chet Holmgren. I think if he, gosh, man, but I like, I like that he played in that game. I just hate that he got hurt. I think if he would have, if he would have, if he would have been playing now, I believe they would be higher than what they are. I think he's, I, I think he's in a great spot. I think he's, he's progressing the way he should progress. I think he's playing good. He can create his own shot. Let me go down through the list. Create his own shot. He's a facilitator. He can finish at the rim. And he could play decently good defense at a point guard. And I think I, I love point guards who are all around. And that's why I love Colin Sexton. That's why I thought we were talking about the Utah Jazz. Because I was about to say, you know, I'm a big fan of Colin. Big, 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 big fan big of Colin. Fan of Colin. Yeah, sure. So I think he's doing it's, – it's not what he can do to elevate his team more. I think if they had Chet, I think they would be in the top six right now. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Chet's they, they, game, they bro. Further accelerated. Accelerated this season because that one two punch. I think that pick and roll right there. Oh man, that's all he's just, missing. That's all SGA yeah. is missing. He, he's missing that big who can who can actually flourish in that spot, and that's that's what he doesn't have. And that way, now we we got the three the three and the two knocking down shots because they're gonna collapse on Chet and in Shea, and then now okay, let's dish it out. Now we got guys knocking. That's 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 the simplest simplistic offense. There we're gonna do one right. two. And then if y'all collapse on it, we're going to kick it out. Boom. You know, the guys got to hit the shots. So I think that's the element they're missing. You know, a lot of a lot of PGs, you know, we look at how James Harden was so effective. Him and uh, Clint Capella, they yeah. had it down packed for, 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 for a couple years. And then obviously, you know, step back. His main target. Yeah. yeah. So I think if he had that element, I think, because he's, he's, he's in a good spot. Like he checks boxes, but you one man can't win the game. You know, one it, it's it's a collective. You need that bench. You need that that powerful or that center to to collapse the defense. Yeah, and I, I think absolutely. they're missing that element. Definitely. Uh, and now getting into our first album review with thirty eight specials, uh, beyond belief. Um, in his latest uh, AP, it comes with production from Harry Fraud that kind of had a predominant boom bap sound, and the features offering kind of. Their unique styles to the table excellently with special ensuring ensuring that people don't sleep on them lyrically. But uh, what were some of your takeaways from this project and, and kind of the overall feel of it? I thought this was really dope. Yeah, I thought um, the features. I don't. I've never heard the Harry Fraud guy, but I think yeah, I think yeah. This was this was real really interesting because he had currency on there. Currency is so like laid back. Uh, <laughs> and he had Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> On it, and then what surprised me was Jim Jones. I was like, "Why that feature? I did not see coming at all." And that's the one that Jim just was Jones out of left field. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Because when I open it up, and then, well, I didn't even look at. It, I just pressed play, and then when I got the yeah, it's number six target practice. I was like, "That's not like Jim Jones." <laughs> <laughs> it is. <Jim. laughs> what rock did you have to go under to get Jim Jones to make a verse again? Yeah. But no, I thought it was dope, bro. I think very, very lyrical. I think the boom, you know, I like boom pap. Uh, I yeah, I think the production was really good. I thought it was it was a nice flow. I think it, it intertwined with each each track. I think the features was strong enough. Uh, listen, listenability. I think if you wasn't a fan of boom pap or just like hip, like authentically hip hop, I don't think this would be like an album. Or did he yeah. call it? Was it an album? I, I think I think he called this an EP. EP, yeah, called okay. this an EP. Ooh, yeah. we should. 10 songs of EP? Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's a, because when I look at that, I was like, that's a different, that's a different version of an EP. Because for us, we're right. like, we used to have like five, six songs for an EP. Like, yeah. we just eight run, is through, run through. Yeah. But right. 10? Eight is top 10, bro. That's a <laughs> kind of pushing album, it. bro. <laughs> bro, that's an album. But no, like, I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was dope, though. I thought it was. We um, like Boom Bap, though. So, yeah. It, of course, we, but I, I think certain outsiders that, it may not be their style. Because even when Maurice was on, we were talking about the West Side Gun. Like he said, like that wasn't his like mm-hmm. main go-to. If that's not your main go-to, I can see like there may be like, why there may be a, a bit of a disconnect for you. No, nah, but nah, yeah, I think, yeah, it was, it was dope. It was solid. This was dope I, though. 
Yeah, you know, out of ten, I would definitely give it an eight. Eight and a half. Yeah, yeah it was build it on was something solid. like this. Build on a, yeah, a ten yeah. song EP. Give it on a ten song. <laughs> <laughs> he's really giving bro, him the he's album, really giving bro. him the step in line. <laughs> like Drake what he called what's called a playlist. Bro, that's an album, bro. Oh, more alive was yeah. twenty two songs. <laughs> that's an album, bro. You should have put playlists on there. Yeah. More yeah, like playlist. More like nah, playlist. <laughs> Um, and, and now getting to, to our next review with Roddy, which is uh, Feed the Streets 3. Um, in his new project, Roddy shows signs of him kind of being in the pocket that, that we're used to seeing him in. And kind of the majority of that, this album features up-tempo beats with emotional elements. Um, you know, over the beats, he tries to, to glide over them and switch between kind of cold-hearted and, and, and dramatic feels. But um, how do you think he performed on this album? And do you think the melodies he, he hooked up with were, were on point? Because I remember last year, the, the album we reviewed, we weren't, weren't really fans of it. But, but how do you kind of feel as though he did on this project? Same thing. Same thing for me. <laughs> Same thing for me. If cause I we like when he dropped um it was the album before. I think it was uh Feed the Streets too. Yes. Or something like that. Like I was I listened to Roddy Rich that whole year. Like I was I like before his album came by, I used to listen to Big Stepper. And I was like, oh, this is Roddy Rich. Cause obviously you got balling. And a couple of the tracks that he had with uh, DJ Mustard or just Mustard and Ketchup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, that like, so every, easy. like, I think that time of, like, music, his style or his just, like, flow of music is outdated now because we hear it all the yeah. time. Now it's like... It was so we, special back then. It was so special yeah. back then. Yeah. Now we're we're looking for the intricate details of that same style, but just a different way you say things. Because he says things different, and then he goes back into his regular voice. Like his, he was so. I think he was so his music was listenable because of the certain things he did while he was like rapping or singing, whatever you want to call right. it. And it was kind of different and it sounded good with the auto tunes. Now we're used to it. You have to give us something different. It sounds or like the same thing. It sounds like the same thing. Like only a like, I think a ple- not even a plethora. Um, it's it's a it's a a small class of artists that get away with things they done in the beginning. But they gave us something different in the middle of the career. So future is one who could get get away with. Oh, Whatever he wants, solidify. Drake, yes. solidify. Kendrick, solidify. J. Cole, solidify. Who else? Um, who else is like a melodic guy? Little baby, solidify. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They got the backstage pass to do whatever they want. Right. You can little baby sounds exactly the same, but it's just it's either he switches up his production. I will say this: little baby beats don't be sounding the same. Gunner's beat sound the same, young thugs beat sounds the same. But Lil Baby's production does not sound the same to me. And it makes it different. Because he raps the same. His cadence is still the same. His, 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 how they tweak his vocals is still the same. But with yeah. Roddy Rich, it's like, yeah, it sounds the same, bro. And then your lyrics, you're not talking about nothing. So, yeah, this, was, this wasn't it for me. Similar content. That, that, and that's the thing. Like, if... Those artists you mentioned, they have the, the the leeway to be able to kind of just explore and do different things. But with Roddy, he's got to you got to know how to reinvent yourself. And I feel, I feel like that's that's the point he's at in his career where he's just kinda, he's kind of hit a wall. And mm-hmm. now it's just about like what's how can you kind of get back, not even get back to the core sound because we know what your core sound is, but how can you yeah, show yeah. something different? I think like that's what he really has to work on. Um, getting to our next review with Armani Caesar is the the list too. Um, album in this new project it contains a, a lot of solid beats in the West Side Gun production was was really evident as um, Armani Caesar, Caesar sounded more confident in her delivery and the writing was more refined. Um, what were your initial thoughts on this album and and kind of like I mean I feel as though she, this is the type of artist that that does have you know a bit to go before she fully develops into her sound, but there were a little uh, some signs of, of improvement throughout. But to you, what were your initial thoughts on this album and kind of like the overall production of it and, and what you kind of felt about uh, her delivery? Yo, this was refreshing, to be honest with you. <clears throat> and there's not many female rappers who rap like her right. and have the conscious mind to go into authentic hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was going to be a singer at first. 
And then when I heard the uh, Paula Dean with Westside Gun, I was like, okay, Westside Gun will be with the R&B. Okay, let's go, Westside. And then I heard her voice. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And she got bars. So initially sure. when, I, when I looked at the, the cover art, I was like, okay, this is this should be interesting. Got a lady with a third eye on her, okay? <laughs> the old Cyclops, huh? <laughs> Uh, old third eye, old uh, what Doctor Strange? Yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting week. cover art. <laughs> but no, yo, this was once again kudos to Wellington <laughs> for finding the. Yeah, I didn't have even heard of Armani Caesar to be honest with you. What a what a dope name, by the way. That's a fire name. That is a fire name. Yeah, it is Armani Caesar. That's dope. And now I understand. Well, now I understand when you said she has a long way to kind of find her own style, like her own style or her own voice, her own mm-hmm. you know style of music. Yeah, because you you can tell she has some some inspirations from other rappers, right? And you can tell by her cadence. You can tell what she writes about. But I love that she's in the right direction. I think her mm-hmm. voice is made for authentic hip hop. I think she probably could do like the Megan Thee Stallion and all that if she other to. type of rap yeah. if she wanted to, but she made the, and, and that's why I like her even more that she made a conscious decision. You know what? I'm not going to be a typical just female rapper. I'm going to really rap about something. I'm not going to rap about shaking my butt and all that stuff, which is fine. But if you really, if you really want to get in the hip hop game and you really want to last long, you got to have some, some, some type of, you know, edification to your music. And I think, obviously she talks about certain things, but I think she she's in the right, she's going in the right direction for her career. And to, to her feature list, <laughs> yo, her feature wow. list is fire. Kodak, yes. West Side Gun. Uh, she had Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine. Like, bro, all of them was, besides Kodak, all of them authentically hip-hop to me, especially West Side Gun, oh, yeah. Benny the Butcher. Those, West Side Gun be flowing. Yo, he <laughs> bug out and all. Dude, yeah, he's crazy, bro. Like, I saw he was at a bank or something, and he had a video, and he was rapping. I was like, who is this? Oh, that's West Side Gun. Like, yeah. his vernacular, his cadence, like, his voice, his undertone. Like, yeah, he, it's crazy. Now when I listen to music, now have we started, you know, reviewing music? I look more into the music now. Like, okay, what's your undertone sound like? Yeah. What's your how much space do you have between between words or how are you using the beat to to bring out the like I'm just looking at more more of those things now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this was very solid. She's in a great direction. Oh yeah. And kudos for yeah, yeah. Her voice, I like her voice. I think that's my I hope I don't get in trouble with this for our, you know, 30 listeners. Um, but, you know... Shout out to you, 30 when listeners. It, <laughs> when it comes to the female rappers, we man... We mentioned that a lot. Voices, we mentioned that a lot. Yeah, the female the, MCs, yeah. The voices, man. Like, I don't like Nicki Minaj's voice anymore. I never really like Cardi B's voice. I've never been a fan of Cardi B. Um, but I we think her voice... We've reviewed Lotto before. Did you, do you like Lotto at all? Lotto? Not, not really. Not really. It's a girl named London... She doesn't really put music out. She just do freestyles. Her voice is amazing. Like, she, and she got bars and she's lyrical. I think her name is like Lady London or something. She's a light skinned girl, light skinned woman. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but her voice is like it's crazy. Like, and she has bars. Like, the voice it is it goes for male rappers too because you yeah, don't have the nice. voice and the cadence and the undertone, the pitch, all those things. It doesn't work out, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So now that's yeah 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 but yeah she's yeah this is nice. great start is nice. great great yeah, start yeah, great start to your, yeah 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 definitely um and now getting to our next review with Samaria's EP didn't start with you um in this project she kind of finds herself grappling with a breakup and this, this feels more emotive and vulnerable um the EP really flows smoothly as listeners are taken on on kind of a bumpy journey through a love gone wrong but um what did you think about this project and some of the messages um she was trying to get across in it. Yeah, this was this was a dope PP, man. I like I definitely got her message. Like I think we talked about that probably two episodes ago or one episode ago. Yeah, two episodes ago because I wasn't last week. I think it was one artist, like I really didn't hear her. It was a single. Okay, it was what's called. I didn't really hear what she was trying to convey. Right. But this one, because it was a longer, and I think that song plays in a role to her, the EP that we're waiting for. I forgot her name. Oh my um, goodness! I, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> she had the "Without You" song. 
Uh, oh, Sicily? C- Cecily, yeah. Yeah, Cecily. Cecily, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah her her song, like, you know, because it kind of changed. But anywho, but uh, for this, this EP, I feel like because she had a, a longer... She had more songs to kind of kind of fit her story into it, and it, it like it resonated well. I like I love I like her voice. Uh, I think her writing abilities could be improved. Yeah, it just I'm just nitpicking at little, this little point. Generic. But I, yeah. yeah, I thought it. I felt if she dives into more of, yeah, just I, I don't know if she's into poetry, but if you're trying to convey a love story, it you can't be on the surface. I think it was like you said, it was a bit generic, but I I, I still like the EP. I thought it I yeah. thought it was real though. I think she's real smooth, and I think her. Yeah, that's the only thing I take from her writing ability could be more in depth. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to use an EP to to write a whole essay or a love story, go deep, go go in depth, go right. in like use the you know different different wording, a different you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So like. Who who did yeah, Brent Fire's last album. Yeah. Perfect love story. Yeah. Crazy, but it yeah, was a perfect the interlude, story. the skits. <laughs> yes, the whole thing. Like if you're gonna paint and his like like yeah, he wasn't on the surface. He's in depth, he's he using interludes, he's using different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna do it, if you want to do a love story, you gotta go in depth. You have to, you can't be on the surface. But I think it was I thought it was a it was a it was a decent EP. Absolutely. Um, and now getting to our last review with Travis Scott and Pharrell's Down in Atlanta. Um, in this new single, it, it, it's it's not the Trap Stop beat kind of we're, we're used to hearing from, from Scott um, spit over, but it, it has a, a fitting backdrop for this song's themes of, of a luxurious big city living. Um, what did you th- think about this track and, and kind of some of the elements in it? You know, it's definitely a Pharrell beat. We hear that. Dum, dum, dum. Yes. <laughs> That's his signature, bro. Vintage, yeah, vintage Pharrell beat. Yeah, it was different. It was different hearing Travis Scott on this. <clears throat> and I think Pharrell had to challenge him to do it. Yeah, like, man. I kind of like hearing you, Travis in a different different element. Different yeah, element. instead of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> all that. Like, bro, like, yeah. But no, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I want, I, I'm indifferent by it. I think it was definitely a, well, something that he should have done. Because it's Pharrell, first and foremost. And then two, it. he's going to, he's going to, Get you out your comfort zone, and I think this was exactly what that was. Get him out of his comfort zone. I don't think it was a terrible song, but you know I'm not a true Travis Scott fan, so I'm not. That's why I say I'm indifferent. I thought I thought yeah. it was dope. I thought it got him out of the comfort zone. Obviously, both producer and trap, you know, trap both Pharrell and Travis Scott had their you know DNA within yeah. the song and with yeah. the production. But I thought I thought it was a good collaboration. Better than you know I'm gonna say. Better than. Division in <laughs> Oh better division Dallas. <laughs> that's always the that, that's always that, that, that that's always the the, the, the two names you're gonna mention when you talk about collabs. Division and Ty Dallas sign because yeah, I'm pretty sure Savon thinks that's that's the worst collab album of all time. <laughs> yes, bro. Terrible. Oh man. Who did this? Why did <laughs> Probably you didn't, so. You didn't even nothing. like Division's last album, so I mean, I think you're just out on Division. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I think they're going mainstream. I mean, they they went mainstream. They're already yeah, mainstream. They're, already, they're, they're already, already doing like their first EP or album, whatever you so want to call on. it, bro. That was, mm, that was. <sighs> Anywho, yeah. When the numbers go up, when the numbers go up, and they're like, ah, gotta, gotta go mainstream. <laughs> like Summer Walker, like Summer Walker. But that's the thing. She flipped it. She went yes. back. She went yes. back to her core. And I still listen to that album. Yes. That was incredible. Oh, what an album. Man. What a story. What a story. The, it, the first song off the bat. Bro, what? Okay. Is she pregnant again? So that's that. <laughs> Knocking boots. That's what she doing with it too. <laughs> Yo, SZA. One last thing. SZA said the album's coming out in December. I saw that. I saw that, and I think it's a hoax because she said it in the interview, but I still don't believe her. I'm just saying. We got one you more think- month. We got one more month out of the year for hope. <laughs> Bro, if she drops it, she going to shut the... She, it's, it, yo, yeah. I'm, I might stop what I'm doing. And listen to that. It's gonna shut. That's, it's ooh. gonna shut everything down. 
Her shirt is still on repeat. <laughs> Bro, it's such a good song. So good. Oh my gosh. Artists, yeah, if you I'm, ever want to know a, a right single to put out, just listen to Shirt, and there it is. Yes, that's it, bro. That's the image. That's the epitome right there. Cecily is another one who and puts Cecily. out great, yes. great uh, singles. Can I, I think I can't with her EP, yeah. Now I'm waiting for the I've never been excited for an EP song. more than, than I have for Cecily. Right. You can just tell something's there. Some something Something's brewing. Because, yeah, she picks the perfect ones. And yeah. you know they go with something else, but they're still like solidified single songs. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting to our review of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And to start with the overview, this is a 2019 drama film directed and produced by Joe Talbot in his directorial debut. He wrote the screenplay with Rob Richard and the story with Jimmy Falls on whose life is uh, it is partly based. Mitsaris fails, Jonathan Majors, Tachina Arnold, Rob Morgan, Mike Epps, uh, Finn Wittrick, and Danny Glover. It was distributed by A24. It had a budget of $2 million and brought in $4.6 million to the box office, plus has a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but to start off with this review, like, what were your initial thoughts on a film that, you know, wasn't affecting a story powerfully told and established um, director Joe Talbot as a filmmaker uh, to, to really watch more? Yo, and I'm, I'm going to start with how it was shot. I love the hero shots they had, the up panning shots of the scenery. It's 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 so easy to get captivated in San Francisco. There the landscapes, yes. the down slopes of the, of the city. It. You get lost in it. And it's I, I love the way that he utilized different angles and shots to tell the story within the story. A lot of a lot of directors do it, but they don't do it as well. And th- right. for them to win two, I think Sundance Best Director, and I think something else they won, and then be ninety two percent, it was high I think rating. a high rating. Fifty percent of that is how it was shot, mm. and and I gotta believe that because when I looked at the preview before I watched the movie, I was like, oh, who is his director? I'm like, it's like with the bushes like pan up and out. Like and then the hero shots to give them, you know, it's just like those shots mean mean something, and they give more to the to character. And I, I love how it was shot, and that that was enticing me. And I was like, oh, because I never heard of this film, which is crazy, because it has a lot. Danny Clover, <laughs> it's a lot of good actors in this film. And yeah. for, when I looked at it, on I um I looked at it at Google, well, not Google, um, and I was like, okay, this oh. I kept saying, oh, which that means like I'm so interested. I was like, oh, oh, that was a nice shot. Like, okay. You know, and then, and then that's when I just This was a film, film for you. This was a film for you because you yeah. love how film is shot. <laughs> first five minutes, bro, I was I was glued. I was glued. First five. I see why I won these awards. What a what a film. Beautiful story, friendship, Beautiful. like that. I love the connection with the city and the friendship and how they, it's just, it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful film and the actors in it was really well. I love Danny Glover's uh, VOs, you know, him and Morgan Freeman have their voices very distinguished. So you yes. know who you are. You know, yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and I mean, like w- with this cast, like, I mean, that's one of, obviously along with how the film is shot, that's another impressive thing of, uh, about this movie. Like, like was the, just just looking at the description of the movie, like did the cat was the cast another thing that just kind of like popped out to you and, and really uh, stood out in terms of the potential this film could have? Yeah, you know, looking at when when I looked at the preview, I heard Donald, I mean Danny Glover's voice. I was like, okay, Danny Glover's in here. Either he's doing the VO or like the narrating, or he's just he's going to be in the film. So he was both. I was like, okay, Danny Glover's in it. And then I looked, I was like, Oh, Jonathan Majors is this. Yes. And then you see Mike Gibbs, you see Tachina, uh, Tachina Arnold. And I'm like, Oh, okay. He went to get the big goods. Yeah. So, um, cause you need very, you need the, the type of black actors to bring out a black narrative. And I think they chose, even with the Jimmy, the Jimmy fails guy. Um, I think everybody play their especially yeah jimmy and jimmy and jonathan play incredible roles especially when they're in the house it just like it was just the excitement like you could tell like you can you can relate to their friendship first and foremost and you can relate to how they're feeling and then life happens 
It's just like mm. I just yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, it's my ass like hunky glory that I thought it was gonna be. So yeah. nah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. This the actors really brought it out more, but I think nah, they had every actor was I think was precise, especially the Jonathan Majors, um, even even Danny, Danny Glover, I think. It was him, it was either him or Morgan Freeman, but they could probably, probably couldn't afford Morgan Freeman. They <laughs> got Danny Glover, but nah, yeah, yeah, I think the cast was perfect. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and now getting getting to our first topic from one of four stars, uh, what would you give it? I mean, I would give this film four because this was an yeah. independent film with with a difference, and it's just beautifully directed directed and perfectly played. This this really feels like a window into the human experience uh, from from some truly enlightening perspectives. Um, uh, but to you, from your perspective, from one of four stars, uh, what would you give it? I'll give it four. Uh, the storyline, I think the the narrative that it had in between, and then just the how it was shot, how it was how it was directed. What a beautiful, beautiful, like even the, the you know the the skateboard down the road, beautiful yes. shot. The 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 turning shot where he was on uh, Jimmy Phil was on the floor and he was just like his hand it was just turning. That adds a different element to it, mm. or them just standing on the porch. It's just like those different shots that looks like okay, that's just a movie. No, they're shot that way for a reason to yeah. bring a different effect to it to make you feel it. Even the pan out shots with the drone, bro. Yeah, man, this is beautifully shot. Absolutely. Beautifully shot. Um, and, and now getting into favorite character, uh, Jimmy's one was really fascinating because he's really exploring mm-hmm. the ideas of, of legacy, masculinity, and gentrification yeah. as one of the, the main subjects in the film. And all of these are, are linked to the people in his life. Um, t- to you, who was kind of your overall favorite character in this one? I think it has to be, I don't, mm, oh. see, I don't want to, it's Jimmy. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say Montgomery. <laughs> just like that, that friendship element, man, just, just being there, going through life with, with somebody that you can trust. And good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think you you won't want a better friend than the Montgomery to be on your side, and just to to go. <laughs> who else is going to catch you know leaves with a bag that's not even open properly? <laughs> <laughs> Those dumb moments, man. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. Outside of Jimmy, I think obviously Montgomery was was a good character. Because you can relate to those. You can relate to both of them. I think that's what makes them. And then you didn't have to have as much character development between the two because the script really did a great job of just bringing them out already. So the actors, I don't think the actors really had to do much, to be honest with you. The script was that good, I bet. It laid out perfectly for them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and looking at what Jonathan Majors has been doing his career, obviously like he's, he's got a busy, Mm. busy next year. Obviously he just had a film devotion come out. He's got Quantum Media next year, then Creed three. Like, what are your thoughts on how his career has played out and what he has going forward? Because he's he's been in, in a lot, but he also has just so much, you know, laid yeah. up laid out for him for the for the next following years. Man, what he came on a scene fast and with a flurry, man, to be able yeah. to to do every film in the in the genre. You, you got the superhero, you got the the Black Wild Wild West, you got. Uh, he got some other films and he got Creed coming out. Like he's, he's going through the the spectrum of the, the genres. And I think that's really good for his career to show his, yeah. his talent. And obviously, you know, people are going to say, Oh, he hasn't played in a family film just yet. Yeah. Just give him time. His give career time. is still give young. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll be there, but what a career. He's a great actor. It's the most, yes. he just, he's played in the, he's playing in a movie. Where he was a pilot about a true story. Just those different different elements of the roles that he has to, to show his true talent, and he yeah. and his emotions. I think is his his strong suit, his facial expression, how he brings it out. out. Yeah, you yeah. really believe it. Yeah, Definitely. especially like just the you know because he has you know he has a distinguished face. And it's just like you know you know how Denzel has his. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple other actors who have like signature moves what they do with their face or how they talk. You know, Jonathan you know. Majors has that. He yeah, has he that. has that. You know, Robin Deere has the the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jonathan Major has a he has a signature acting style that is that it that is a good formula for any movie that he plays in, and it's we've we've seen it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and, and now getting to most memorable scenes, I had keep building it. Um, this is our home, Morning Kofi. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't get to hate it unless you love it. Um, skating the Bay Area. And then finally, uh, my grandmother built this. 
Um, to, mm-hmm. to you, like, what were the memorable scenes in this one and, and maybe uh, some of the standouts for you? Every last one of them, obviously, Wellington picks the best one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but no, the one when they, <laughs> the one with, I think the one I thought when they first um, got into the house and they ran up and they were just running through the house or whatever. And then they were just talking about, oh, we could throw parties. We do all this stuff. I just like, we could scream, like you're just doing all this stuff. And I think those are the joyous moments where you realize and you just, the world just flat, floats away. There's no outside. There's nothing just in that moment. And I think that was the beauty of it, that they were able to live in the moment as their characters. And then the moment ended and you get hit with the realistic things of life. That contrast, that contrast of the reality hitting you so hard is is why this film is so realistic. I mean, like that, and that's how life is. Yeah, especially especially in California, man. Come on. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and now getting into most memorable quotes, I had uh, Jimmy, isn't that the car you used to live in from Montgomery? Also, you can't hate mm-hmm. it until you love it. Um, let us give each other the courage to see beyond the swords we were born into. Um, this is our home from Preacher. Also, people like me, I'm, I'm liked uh, from Bobby. And then finally, well, also the great news is that you are all doing marvelous, marvelous work from Montgomery. And then finally, I'm the last one left from Jimmy. Um, t- to you, like, what were the, the standout quotes and, and maybe some of the ones that you kind of felt uh, carry like the most weight um, throughout this movie? Both of the ones you said about Jimmy, those are what I'm going to say. Let us give each other the courage to see beyond. And then Jimmy ate that the car you used to live in. And both of those moments were were so heavy, especially the ones that Jimmy ate that the car you lived in. Because I think in that moment, what your mind goes to, like where you came from, what life was, and now you're in a blissful moment and then life takes you back into the, it <laughs> drags yeah. you back. So that continuous cycle of growing and learning, because you can't grow being comfortable. And I think with within this film, both went through tragic uh, circumstances to get them to the point they were. And then now you have to go through something else to grow into to another form of who you are. Yeah. So, yeah, man, those two quotes really stood out the most to me for sure. Definitely. Um, and, and a character that we haven't mentioned as as much, I mean, in Accurate, I haven't mentioned as much in this film, the the role Mike Epps had, because it wasn't maybe as much, but he had like certain moments in it. Like, how did you feel about mm-hmm. what he did in the movie? Like, he wasn't obviously like a, like a substantial character, but he had certain points in it where you could kind of feel like he just had that Mike Epps effect and his skill was able, able to, to work in the movie. Yeah, he um, obviously he's going to bring the funny, but I think he was... Um... I think he was uh, the realistic one or just a, yeah, he was the one to bring him back to, to earth. Cause I think one of course he said, you see Jimmy, you never really own crap. So he like, yeah. Bring you brings them, bring you back to reality and how things are really are like the gentrification, which, which was a big one in his film. And I, and I think his character was definitely needed because obviously he's going to be funny, but I think once you're in that blissful in the moments, and you you plan on doing all these things, and then life saying no 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 no, you're not going to do any of that. I'm going to take you this way, and yeah. you have to be realistic with yourself in those moments. I think that's what Bobby was. He was he was a re- realistic factor in the script and in the movie to make them understand. Like yo, you see, you never really own crap. Like it's just not in a negative way, but just like hey, remind yourself yeah, what you look reminder. like, where you come from. Yeah, just a yeah. just a, a a fierce punch in the face reminder. Even in the bank scene Jimmy had at the end where he was like, you know, look, I know I'm black, I'm I, this and that, like, but still give me a chance. And it was like, right. it just doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, no. just, one of the, it's just one of those acknowledgements of even though you, you want something, you still got, have to go through a certain process. Yeah. And that, that was such a sad scene. Yeah. But, but it's, it's the norm. You know, it's the norm. You got to be near perfect if you're, if you're a black male. You got to be near perfect. Or yeah. yeah, I could go a whole thing with that, man. That's another yeah, episode in and of that. itself. Yeah, yeah no, I've you know been through that. Feel like you know, just show you because yeah, I'm not gonna go through that. I'm not gonna talk about that. But anywho, but yeah, I I get that. And that, I get that was to point. me that was one of the most relatable scenes of the entire movie. That was like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Do I gotta be perfect to get this job? And I know, yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, and now getting to kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline uh, to me just how there was a, a sense of urgency and realism throughout the film and it's not mm -hmm. done in a conventional sense or even linear but you really have to piece it together and to you know glean out its messages uh, to, to you like what particular element element of this storyline did you like the most yeah it wasn't like it wasn't a regular regular storyline like what you say you had to piece everything together I think right. that keeps the, the the viewer engaged as well as just the the character the development that was already there in the script and that you the i think the you were related to them even the first five minutes of the film like you relate you were it was relatable as soon as the film turned on like we know about gentrification we know about uh keeping what we had in the family in the family we know about certain things that goes in and out of trying to get a job so it's like like i'm already glued because it's, it's realistic it's relatable and the characters you don't really have to do too much to have viewers connect with that because we already know so I, I love that part but the biggest thing i loved about this film you and i keep saying this hollywood was shot beautiful that, and, that, and that and that's what i want to talk about more the director joe talbot what he did like with how he shot this film what like what like what more do you want to see from him going forward and kind of like what he can do to just continue to to, to diversify his his catalog and skill set you know, I don't know if he has or not, but I want to see him do a action film. Okay. And and I say that because I'm pretty sure he does a lot of, yeah, he does a lot of um, uh, documentaries and films like this to bring out because, uh, yeah, okay, he's from San Francisco, so that's beautiful. Yes, um perfect for him. <laughs> but yeah, I want to see him do an action film because how he shoots things is so, so interesting, so beautiful in itself. I want to see that in action sequence. Can you, like, are you just with this genre or can you stretch out and do another genre? Yeah. Do you want to? That's what like, we always like to know, see. That's what we always like to see. Yeah. Because yeah. we know you can do, yeah, it was, yeah, man, it was shot. I want him to see a do, do a, a, a action, action film. Then I want him to do a, a family film mm -hmm. to see if this, his style of shooting can can it carry kind of, into that genre? Yeah, carry into yeah. those genres. That's fast. That's that would be fascinating to see. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that would be dope for him. Yeah, but awesome, awesome director for this yes. film. Yes, amazing, definitely amazing. Um, and, and getting to our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think it'll be watchable and intriguing? Obviously, this is a more recent film, twenty nineteen. I definitely think it can stand the test of time. Obviously, with how well it was shot for 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 movie for movie appreciate uh, on people. That, for people that really appreciate the genre, they can mm -hmm. just enjoy it. And, and obviously the realism and, and the urgency of, yes. of, of what the message is, is, is something we always talk about with films like this. And it, and it goes on to do that uh, so well, but, but, but 10 years from now, how do you feel this will age and, and it still being watchable and intriguing? I think it will be like Fruitville station and, you yeah, know, all those other films that to, that depict uh black cinema or just black stories I think this this is this is a strong film. It's definitely up there, and I think that should it should have that respect as well. Yeah. Doesn't matter who directed it or whatever. I think this film should have that respect as Fruitville Station, as the the, the film with Michael B. Jordan and uh, Jamie Fox. That was a good film. I forgot his name. The way he was Just a lawyer Mercy. trying to get yeah, Jess Mercy was a good film. There's a lot of films in that in that tenure or in that genre. I think is really well. I think this would has to be respected be as much list. as yeah mm. yeah but i definitely think this is watchable yeah absolutely well that wraps it up for tonight i'm host one to burns like my kind of say about morris this has been full scope see you later